Welcome, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into Propaganda Watch, that series where we dissect propaganda and examine how it influences public opinion. And from the propagandist perspective, there is a problem that uh, you often encounter that can be dealt with in a variety of ways. The problem is how to bury a news story, because certain news stories are so big, you know they are going to be reported. The truth will out one way or another eventually. So the trick from the propagandist perspective is how to report that news even as you sweep it under the rug so that the big important story comes out, but no one really has time to think about it or process it before they are distracted one way or another. And there are, as I say, many different ways that this can be accomplished, and perhaps the most explosive, if you'll excuse the pun, way that this can be done was demonstrated on September 10th, 2001, by then-Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. The uh, topic today is an adversary that poses a threat, serious threat to security of the United States of America. This adversary is one of the world's last bastions of central planning. It governs by dictating five-year plans. A single capital, it attempts to impose its command across time zones, continents, oceans, and beyond. With brutal consistency, it stifles free thought and crushes new ideas. It disrupts the defense of the United States and places the lives of men and women in uniform at risk. On September 10th, 2001, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld declared a new war. Not a war on a shadowy terrorist organization in Afghanistan, or even a war on terror itself, but a war on the Pentagon. The adversary is closer to home. It's the Pentagon bureaucracy. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We're looking at a uh, live picture from Washington and there is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. It would appear that there has been another major explosion, this one in the nation's capital. You are looking at a scene of uh, apparent blast aftermath. There is smoke in the air over the Pentagon. As I say, that may be the most explosive example of how to bury a news story, and one that should be familiar to viewers of the 9-11 Trillions documentary. If you haven't seen it yet, or if you need a refresher, that's corporatereport.com slash 911 trillions. But obviously, although that is can be a very effective way of burying a news story, 2.3 trillion missing? Oh, wait, the day that changed everything. Uh, that is obviously not the go-to or default way to bury an inconvenient story from the propagandist perspective. The much more common, much more quotidian way of doing that is, of course, the Friday news dump, which is something that viewers or listeners of uh, the Mor Morning Monarchy podcast that James M. Pilato does will probably be familiar with. He often talks about the Friday news dump on a Monday morning. He'll often go through some of the stories that were dumped the previous Friday afternoon in the hopes that people going home from the office and getting ready for a weekend of fun and leisure will have disconnected from the news cycle and not even seen the story at all, certainly will have forgotten about it by Monday morning. Uh, if you are interested in that phenomena, there's even an entire subreddit do devoted to people posting examples of uh, stories that were dumped on Friday afternoon, again, in the hopes that people would forget about it by Monday morning. So there are ways of keeping uh, in touch with, with that, but that is a very common tactic for burying a news story. But today we're going to look at another example, the distraction story. And I have mentioned this before, I'll mention it here again. I do worry that this has become sort of a go-to default 
conspiracy realm uh, tactic to say that X is a distraction from Y, and you can literally plug in any two stories in X or in Y position in that formula, and it will sound like a learned and intelligent thing to say, but all it is really conveying is, I don't really want to talk about X, let's talk about Y. So you say X is a distraction from Y. Uh, that is a, an all-too-common technique these days, and I think it is uh, usually not that substantial. But occasionally there is a real, I think, tangible example of a distraction story that is meant to take attention elsewhere. And a very interesting example of that popped up recently. I'm sure you at least heard about it, even if you weren't following it that closely. This one was first posted to the New York Post, that uh, hard-hitting journalistic outlet that's getting all the scoops about Epstein, uh, on August 15th, 2019, so about a week ago. They posted exclusive Jeffrey Epstein's gal pal Ghislaine Maxwell spotted at In-N-Out Burger in first photos since his death. And I, I, as I say, I'm sure you probably saw this story when it arose, because it did make some headlines at the time, including not only New York Post, but elsewhere. And I saw it also being talked about in the independent media and people concentrating on this exclusive photo of Ghislaine Maxwell at an In-N-Out Burger in Los Angeles. Wow, you know, what an amazing story. And I watched this story developing, and it really went into some bizarre places. First of all, people started to uncover anomalies surrounding not only this one main photo that everyone saw, but some of the other photos um, that were perhaps less well seen, but still just bizarre. There was some bizarre and obvious photoshopping in these photos, including things that are just nonsensical, like photoshopping, not only taking a uh, sign that had been blurred out that isn't that blurry in real life, a McKelly sign, uh, taking that and just clone stamping it out of the picture. This is what it actually looks like. This is the picture that was presented. Again, nonsensical things like that. There were other examples of um, of just crude photoshopping that can be clearly seen, even by the naked eye, even by non-specialists who've never used Photoshop in their life. You can see that there is bizarre stuff going on in these photos. There's more examples of this. Uh, if you look at the bench behind her and things like this, clearly some of these things have been crudely photoshopped. So there was some very strange things going on with this. And then, and this is coming from the R slash Epstein subreddit, which uh, is interesting. And as far as I know, was the one that was breaking and, and really investigating this story. And then I saw, after reading about it here, I saw it coming up on the Daily Mail and sites like that. So I think this was where this was first breaking. But people were going into the metadata of this particular photo. And when you go to a site like this and you put in the metadata and you take a look at it, but you got to enable some JavaScript, which is always an iffy proposition. But anyway, and you go into it and you can see more information about this, including that this was taken by something called Meadowgate Media and people started looking at who is this Meadowgate Media and then they identified this person who owned Meadowgate Media was this lawyer in San Diego, in San Diego called Leah Safian um, who is connected to Maxwell and then they found that the dog that features in one of these pictures of Maxwell at the In-N-Out Burger is Safian's dog. And it's just, it gets more and more crazy. Also, if you go to this New York Post uh, page now, you will see that it does not contain what it used to contain. A source told the Post that the Daily Regular took the photo. He's at In-N-Out every single day, the source said. He went up to her and asked, 
Are you who I think you are? She replied, yes, I am. Maxwell was reading a book called The Book of Honor, The Secret Lives and Deaths of CIA Operatives, and seemed resigned to having her picture snapped, the source said. Blah, blah, blah. You'll note that that little exchange and all that information about the source and this guy who goes in and out every day and just happened to see her reading uh, has been removed. Now it's just the post found the socialite hiding in plain sight, presumably because the actual photographer and her connections to Maxwell have been revealed. So the post is slightly backing away from this, but they're still posting these pictures as if they're real when they've clearly been photoshopped. Even the bus shelter behind her in one of these pictures has been photoshopped to remove... The, uh, or to, to put in a more recent poster uh, and people contest, contacted the, the bus shelter owners to discover or the, the, the people who leased out that, that bus shelter space uh, for advertising to confirm that the poster that's photoshopped into this picture was never in that bus shelter. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier and I was watching all of this investigation into these photos going on in real time and I kept having the nagging thought in the back of my head, why? What does any of this matter? What does this have to do with the price of tea in China? Yes, Ghislaine Maxwell, as an accomplice to what was going on with Epstein and all of that, yes, are important. It is an important part. And where is she and why isn't she being hauled in for questioning? But the picture of her at In-N-Out Burger that was crudely photoshopped so that you would notice that it was clearly photoshopped and... All of these crazy, strange things about this photo and uh, the drama of it and unfolding on the web as the sleuths dig into the, the puzzle. It did get me wondering, why? What was the point of this? I was thinking about this consciously. And that's when C. and Slow, Corbett Report member C. and Slow, left this comment at the Corbett Report, um, specifically on the uh, uh, episode 361 comment section about my uh, suicided podcast about Jeffrey Epstein. Cienslow writes, After studying the randomly and nonsensically photoshopped G. Maxwell photos from the In-N-Out Burger, the only conclusion I can come to is that the release of these photos was a pre-planned red herring designed to be a mystery that could be almost solved so as to scatter attention from and dilute the story of Epstein's death. And I think... I'm essentially on board with that paragraph. I think that's right. Now, you can go and read what the rest of what C. and Slow writes here about uh, Attorney General Barr and uh, the secret visit that was allegedly made right before his death and all of this stuff to the to the connect, uh, correction center and all of that. Very interesting stuff. But, uh, yeah, essentially, I think what we've witnessed is the planting of this ridiculous series of Photoshopped photos that were distractionary and meant to cause a distraction and meant to lead people down a certain rabbit hole uh, to distract people from various things, including uh, just the fact that no one is really buying this story of the suicide. The Rasmussen poll that was taken last week found 29% of Americans, American adults, believe Epstein actually committed suicide in jail. 42% think Epstein was murdered. Uh, a sizable 29% are undecided. Anyway, I think the narrative... Uh, is not being swallowed uh, on this one, uh, at least not so easily. And I think that this was meant to distract from such things as, for example, the Friday news dump of the chief medical examiner that, yes, it was a suicide, case closed, end of story. Which you'll notice was a Friday news dump. So I think there's some distractionary element going on here. And I think that this, all of this, what's going on here and why is all this craziness going on and why all these tantalizing clues is part of a, a strategy to get people to look at a story that ultimately is a 
literal, wait for it, nothing burger. This In-N-Out burger photo is amounts to nothing either way. It just is so insub completely unsubstantial when it comes to the bigger story of the crimes that we're talking about here and the scale and the scope of international child sex trafficking and, and blackmail rings and intelligence operations. And here's a photo, a crudely photoshopped photo of someone at In-N-Out Burger. It's just nonsense. So I think this is a case study that I just saw unfolding in the last week, so I wanted to share it with you, of a distraction story of how to bury a news story. Now, as I say, there are many different techniques for burying news stories, and there are many different examples of this, so I will once again draw on the wisdom of the crowd to post some of your observations and some uh, examples of distraction stories and things. Uh, I'm looking forward to that commentary, but I just wanted to share this particular example, and uh, as I say, it's a doozy. So, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I think it's informative, and it does help to see and identify and name these different techniques that the propagandists have in their tool belt, because like a magician, once the trick has been revealed, it is much harder for them to get away with it in the future. So we'll keep doing the Propaganda Watch series here, and I hope you will continue to join me in this series. That's going to do it for today. James Corp at CorporateReport.com. Since the day of 9-11, we've been told what happened. Freedom itself is under attack. We've been told who to blame. The Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Osama bin Laden. Terrorists and the terrorist network. Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda. We've been told what to think. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th. But if you haven't seen 9-11 Trillions or 9-11 War Games, you don't know anything about 9-11. Some might ask, how in the world could the Secretary of Defense attack the Pentagon in front of its people? We had four war games going on on September 11th. $8.5 trillion. The most extraordinary coincidences in the history of mankind. We've never seen so much real-world stuff happen during an exercise. It, it is... Um, I was going to say terrifying. 9-11 Trillions and 9-11 War Games. Watch the documentaries for free online or, for the first time, own them on DVD today. Go to CorbettReport.com shop for details.